Welcome to the Questions for the Sages podcast. I'm Michael Scherer. Nancy was introduced to Hare Krishna literature at George Washington University soon after her arrival from China. We discussed her attraction to the Hare Krishna philosophy, her cultural experiences, and her introduction to the temple. You can hear the Questions for the Sages podcast on questionsforthesages.com, the Questions for the Sages Facebook page, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. Welcome to Questions for the Sages, interviews at the Hare Krishna Temple in Potomac, Maryland. Today I'm talking with Nancy, who I just met today. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for inviting me. Now, it's funny, when I first approached you and asked you uh, if you would be on this podcast, you said, uh, but I'm not a sage. And there's, it's a funny, sort of tricky situation, because that would, of course, that would be a, a sage's qualification to say <laughs> that I'm not a sage. Um, you wouldn't want someone who goes, okay, yeah, I'm very smart. I can tell you anything you want to know. Um, but... Why do you come here? Why do I come here? Yeah. I first came to this Iskan temple, I think it's in 2016, March. Um, at that time, I think I just started reading Bhagavad Gita for a couple months. And I was, I was impelled then by a very, very strong desire to see Krishna in person. Hmm. I just want to, I just want to see him because, uh, because I've, I have always been wanting to see him for so long time, and now I actually know. Oh, that he is. I find him, so I just want to see him. Now, when when you say that you wanted to see him for a long time, uh, do you mean your whole life? Um, I mean, as human being, we we always have this feeling that. We can we can live a life, just live by a normal everyday life, um, without without um, thinking about something. But that something is there, and we cannot shape the awareness of that. Say some truth in scientific sense, or the absolute person, and. Uh, Bhakti Yoga, Krishna sense. So, but we can we can just shake shake the awareness of that things. And if if I just keep life going on, I mean I can live by, but there there will be a sense of incompleteness. Uh huh. When you were reading, you said the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. So you you had a a, a recognition. A recognition. Oh. Actually, I was I was very ignorant at first because um, I'm from China, uh -huh. and just and I was brought up in a atheistic way, a Western uh -huh. scientific way, and I have no conception of God in my head. And when I first know um, this come um, Gita, uh -huh. I did not really pay much attention because I cannot accept the concept of God. 
Mm. And I actually I don't know anything about God, but I just reject it very ignorantly. And but but I, but I want to know the absolute truth. And that absolute truth, I haven't been find any clue in any discipline in the Western science. And I was entirely pro, um, confused. Well, I, ha I have a question about that. Um, and <clears throat> in my understanding of Western science, at least how it understands itself, is that it, over time it approaches the absolute truth uh, just by design so that over time as more and more is revealed and more and more is is pieced together about how, how the world works the rules of the universe that um, there is just a progression in that direction but do you feel like for some reason it will never get there or is that not the most convenient way to get there because there's no clear definition of the self, of the source of consciousness, and there's no distinguishment between the conscious self and the created consciousness and what is going on inside that consciousness. That is, there's no distinction between spirit, the subtle body, and the gross body. And that point, if we do not distinctively point it out, everything is very, very confusing because mm. you don't know who. Who is the, this person trying to understand? And what is that something he is understanding? Mm -hmm. There's no distinguishment. And they misconcept the two as the one. They think, oh, there's something going on in his mind. In my mind, it's me. Or, and they don't pay attention to the background where this whole show takes place. For example, they take time as a as a something going on factor. They don't even know, pay attention to time, which is a supreme, which is represents the supremacy of the Lord, uh -huh. and they just assume it's a it's a time. So, when you when you read the Bhagavad Gita, um, and I assume this was Bhagavad Gita as it is. I assume this was Prabhupada's yes. translation yes. of the Bhagavad Gita. So there was a clarification of, oh, that's how the pieces fit together. Yes. Right? Yes. Actually, I start with um, chapter 13 because I was, I was very much want to know about consciousness. And when I read that chapter, oh, my Lord, that's everything. That's the complete theory. And that's can, something can, I am looking for. What is chapter 13? Could you summarize it or what, what does it explain? The nature, the enjoyer, and the consciousness. Um, Krishna explained in that chapter um, the field of activities in the 24 element um, Sankhya philosophy way, and he explained Brahman and the super soul and, and the relationship between yeah. the soul and the super soul. And uh, and I remember when I I read the chapter, I it, it's like give you a purview of the machine you are sitting in, mm. and you yourself, the source of consciousness, the conscious self, and everything, the twenty four elements 
it's just so so well explained and why did you start with chapter 13 like how did you know to start there but you just saw the title heading and that that appealed to you um kind of like between, uh, before I actually read Gita I um, I read another small uh, brochure also wrote by Srila Prabhupada as beyond the birth and death beyond birth and death beyond birth and death and in that small small brochure I saw the argument of spirit soul which is I never I never ever have those idea of soul before I came to Can I ask you when you got that brochure where were you I was in I I got that brochure in 2014 August and I kept it there and then in the summer 2015 by when I was back in China with my parents and by chance I just opened it and I read it and I saw okay this is the theory I looking for so many years not Stephen Hawking not Einstein even it's, it's here it's in Vedas but when you received it, were you in China? No, it's in uh, it's um, 2014 August. I first came to U.S. Washington D.C. to attend George Washington University as a um, student. And who gave you the brochure? Um, it's it's also by chance uh, because like beginning at the beginning of the semester, there's a fair, student huh. club fair, and I because I'm a newcomer. A stranger on a strange land mm-hmm. and just went to the fair and I saw a table like there's a, some a nice food presented there uh-huh. and I was naturally attracted by it by my tongue mm-hmm. and I was there I went there and and I asked her there's a um, a gentleman standing there uh-huh. and with white hair and looks very Mm, how do you say? It looks very saintly, or oh, okay. calm, or peace, or it's just, just just some energy, some uh, energy. A, 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 a nice energy. Yeah, a nice energy, a very welcoming, mm. nice energy. And I talked to him. I, the, I first question asked him is is this vegetarian? And he said yes. Why did you ask that? Oh, because uh, because I became a vegetarian after um, graduate from college that is in China. Uh-huh. And I want to make sure I don't. I don't. And why did you become a vegetarian? Why became mm. I vegetarian? Um, there's another story. Like I, I was, I was majoring in biological science when I was in undergrad, and in my sophomore uh, sophomore year, there's a classmate. Um, one of my classmates, he started um, vegetarian association. Um, I don't. I think the motivation behind then is about animal welf- uh, mm, welfare. Okay. And he brought us a lot of videos how those food companies treat animals. Treat animals, and it was really heartbreaking and mm. very very bloody sceneries. Mm-hmm. And but actually, at that at that at that time, I did not became a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm kind of hard-hearted because t- 
too much immersed in the Western science made me kind of impersonal. Mm. Um, and but, but, but it's actually um, after college, after graduation, because then the already. Although I am not a vegetarian, but the seed is planted in my heart. And after graduation, I happened to see two movies. Those movies are about cannibalism. Really? Yes. Two movies about cannibalism? Um, no, it's not the theme, but there's a like there's a boy, in and when he is traveling on the sea with his family, and his family. Got um, the ship. The ship get crashed, uh -huh. and he and his mother survived. And uh, another four uh, people from the ship also survived on a small boat. And then the boy, who is a vegetarian, at last have to survive on his mother's meat because his And is that I, a true story? Um, I think it's a story of. Composed from from a history, um, the um, chart chart. It's actually a history. I think he is recited from. Um, it's a moral principle, a moral dilemma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I I was very I was very very, shaped by that scenery because I just I just I just recall that if I eat those meat it seems like to me it's like I I'm consuming all my mother's meat and mm. and I, I ask myself if I were in that situation will I eat my mother's meat well will, will I do that yeah and I think that I would imagine that that was why they made the movie to to force you to ask that question right we're, we're beings we we're, we're not machine we're right we're persons we the love transcend the modes. We have that love. We have that re will power. So, so I, I I think, oh, I can't eat anything because every time I saw the meat, I will saw my mother in that mm. in that scenario, wow. and yeah. it's just a and and I actually I don't have any desire for meat, so I I just don't eat anything, continue meat, and. Some people ask me also. Uh, they asked, "Are you? While we are eating meat, are you all tantalized by us?" Uh huh. I said, "No, not at all. Not at all. Right. Not at all." And how about dairy and eggs? And dairy cheese? and eggs. Um, I use dairy products. Uh huh. And eggs, eggs. Actually, I use some eggs, but then I come to bhakti, uh, the the bhakti our tradition. We don't use eggs, so I just don't use. Uh huh. Okay, so that gives us some background. So you you were at George Mason University? No, yes, because I graduated from the George Washington, and then I moved to George Mason to another program. And that's where you you saw this booth, where you got the booklet, the um, the pamphlet, the brochure, the brochure, the brochure. Oh, that yeah, that's, <laughs> to, that's to, in to, to George fa Washington. Fast forward back. That was George Washington was University. George Washington. Okay, so you you approached the food and you said, "Is it vegetarian?" Yeah, that's in that's the very beginning day when I arrive in America. Oh, the same day? Oh, not the same day. It's in the same month. Okay. In the same month. Yeah, and you were just starting school, right? Yes. And so you said you said is this vegetarian? He said yes. And I took a, t 
took took one of those pieces to fresh out them uh-huh. and I ate them and it's oh nice uh-huh. and I left my email address on the table and they kept sending me email every week uh-huh. but the first time I went there as in as in like November something 2014 so and I I like the theory of sound uh, they explained that when you they explain to me you need to chant and the principle of chanting is you relax and pronounce it distinctively and hear it attentively I think that sound is I really like the theory of sound and when you say you like the theory of sound you, you like the the sort of the theory the practice. behind japa meditation yeah right? the theory behind this practice is very um, substantial and could you just uh, explain for listeners don't necessarily know what the practice is so when you say when you say I like the theory behind the practice what do you what do you mean what's the practice the practice is chanting the practice is very simple just say it say what say the mantra the mantra say the mantra and what's and the mantra the mantra is the Hare Krishna mantra how's that go it's like Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And at the same time, you try to hear what you are saying. Right. And if we actually pay attention to those pro- to this process, we will find that actually we can hear. We can or cannot? Cannot hear. We cannot hear what we are talking. We cannot hear what we're saying. Yeah, we cannot hear what we are saying. It's well, very difficult. It's difficult to hear what we're what saying, we're saying. Yes, it's very difficult. And then you will realize that every day you talk to people, it seems like it's you are talking, but actually you are not in that scenery. You are not with that person. You are not even with yourself. It's just talking like a machine. <laughs> right, right, and you're along for the ride. Right, you're just sitting there, just watching it. You're not controlling anything. You're just watching it unfold. Yes. But that's a not a good thing. Yes, definitely. So, okay, so you're 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 sitting in a machine. You're watching the machine do a bunch of things, uh, but you're not participating really in what's happening. Well, explain to me why it's better to be in control. I mean, sometimes I feel like if I try and take control of things, they get worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so why would you want to? Why would you want to take the the levers and the wheels and the knobs and the buttons and the sliders and and actually be adjusting things? Um, so that's the art here. We are not actually controlling the things, we are controlling ourselves. What does that mean exactly? Like you control yourself not to be distracted by things. Okay. So it's not you rule over or lord over things, it's like you reflect it and concentrate on your on the on yourself on the very mo- every moment you are living. You try to be self-conscious, at, mm. at least, mm-hmm. not 
saying something you don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said that you, when you read the Bhagavad Gita, you 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 wanted to see Krishna. I assume you still want to see Krishna. Yes. Have you seen Krishna yet? No. Yeah. We no, actually, can't, we can't, haven't seen him before. You and haven't yet. Haven't yet. Do you expect to? Do I expect to? I, from my heart, from deeply from my heart, I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to, but um, he has he has a lot of devotees. He has a, he has his beloved Sri Radharani, and yeah, he has he has. He has. He is living a very good. Happiness. Well, what were you saying? He has too much time. He doesn't have enough time on his hands to spare for you. Is that no, what you're saying? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> because he's he's the God. He he can pay attention to every single part. So it person. doesn't matter that there are all these others, including Srimati Radharani. Like that isn't an obstacle to him seeing you, or you seeing him. No, that's not. That's not because when we see Krishna in the center everyone else is in the picture hmm. we 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 can say that oh krishna is paying attention to shrimati radhanani then he don't pay attention to me that's not god that's us we have limited attention but he has unlimited attention mm-hmm. he can attend every one of us so if i may ask um how unusual do your parents think these ideas are? These ideas are? Yeah. I have explained to them some of the things. Uh-huh. And my mother, because of his intense parental love for me, he took Jeffrey Chanjin also. Say that again? He chant, she chant also. Because Your told, mother has taken up chanting. Yes, because I told her to chant and then explain to some of the things like theory or philosophy and the relation. Uh huh. And because he is in a relation with me, so he, oh, so she, I'm sorry, she yeah. chant. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's the nice thing. Yeah. That's the mercy. Yeah. Now, is there is there any sort of feeling of competition between being Chinese and um, getting involved in something from India? Like, is there a Chinese-India rivalry or, or competition or anything like that that prevents them from looking at this too closely? No, because we are, in this tradition, we don't talk about racism. No, but I'm talking about from the perspective of your parents. From the perspective of my parents? Yeah. Uh, like, how open are they to Indian culture? You know? I think it's... I think they they can... They don't have, like, a very strong objection to that things. Okay. Yes. And, yeah, they're kind of open-minded. Mm-hmm. And just like those nice parents, like, they like to see their child be happy. Right. And you said that uh, you came from an atheist background, a scientific Western uh, background. Yes. Were your grandparents religious? My grandparents? Oh, my grandparents, they... 
my grandparents and my mother's side, my grandmother, she don't even read. Okay. She's, they're not very um, educated in a Western sense. But were they religious? Religious? I don't think so, because religious in China is not not very serious things. And, and people think those who are taking religious is, is because they are very... Um, sentimental or mm -hmm. stupid and understanding scientific things. Uh-huh. Yeah. So on neither side, your, your father's parents or your mother's parents weren't, um, were they Taoist? Were they Confucian? No, no. no none nothing, of that? Nothing. Okay. Well, it's interesting uh, the path you've taken, you know. Do you think that this will catch on in China? Do you think uh, people will sort of eventually be exposed to this and realize its value? I think yes, if we try to try to just spread the message, deliver the mail, we don't interpret in a very personal egoistic way. We just we just spread the message like 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 the like the gentleman I met in the fair. Yeah. Yes. Was who was that? He's Steve. Oh, Steve. Yes. That's his name. Yes. Okay, I don't think I've met him. Uh, okay, I thought you were going to say Mahamantra Das. Did you meet him later? Ah, um, that was very late. That oh, was okay. very late. Okay, and I and I bring up his name because he's been interviewed on the podcast. I thought I could refer listeners back to, but that was that was later. So so. After you read the Bhagavad Gita, well, after you got the brochure. And then you were getting emails. How did you end up with the Bhagavad Gita? Because they read, uh, they read Bhagavad Gita in a club meeting. So you went, you started to go to the club meeting. Yes, in November, in twenty fourteen November. Uh huh. Because they have free vegetarian meal. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's how I get attracted. Yeah. And have you have you been cooking at all? Have you have you learned the. Um, how to cook uh, the vegetarian food, the kind of food that they eat here? Uh, yes, because I don't. I have to cook for myself, mm -hmm. and and. But I I have not learned how to bring those Indian dishes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be complicated. Like there's a whole bunch of different spices and the order that everything goes in. Yes, I have a great um, kitchery recipe which is basically Indian rice and beans. But it's like, you have to, you heat up the oil, but then you, you fry the cashews in the oil, but then you have to scoop the cashews out. Then you fry the almonds in the oil. Then you scoop the almonds out. Then you put the spices in the oil and fry them. And then you put every, it's like, <clears throat> it's very complicated. It's delicious, but it, you know, it's like, it's like a science experiment, you know? Um, so after you went to the meeting, you were studying the Bhagavad Gita. At what point did you actually come here to the temple? What point? Yeah. When when did you actually come here to see the temple? Oh, that was um, 2016 March. Uh-huh. And what did you think when you came? I just see Krishna, nothing. And I, I remember that day, it was a little bit cold uh -huh. and... It seems like raining, but it's very uh, not actually raining. 
um, there's not not much sunshine, and I saw Ananda. Ananda. Ananda is Ananda. the temple president. Temple president. And she's and been interviewed. I wish I could <laughs> rattle off the, the episode number, but yeah. And I was escorted by a devotee. Her name is Christian? Christ or... Uh, Chrissy? Chrissy. I, I, yes, it's like Chris something, but I did not okay. hear very... And he showed me around the deity, take darshan. That's the term. Yeah, take, take darshan. darshan. Took darshan. And yeah. And we allow we pay all our businesses to the deity, and and I attend like kirtan um, lecture. And what yes. did you think? I think, yeah, I just come to see Krishna. And <laughs> I mean, were you were you happy that you came? Yes, I was very very happy. And actually, that day is uh, I took a lot of effort to come here because I was in George Washington, and and I don't have vehicle, hmm. and I have to take the metro train mm-hmm. and then transfer to a metro bus mm-hmm. and then walk 20 minutes mm-hmm. and I went to a temple. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, <laughs> so there was some austerity to get here. Yes, but like when you are in relation with somebody, you don't care about those things. Right. But you knew, you, you strongly suspected or felt that um, Krishna was here. I know no? there's a temple. I know there's a temple because I attend a club and sometimes the um, the club president talks about the temple. So I just googled there's a temple uh-huh. and I went to the temple. So what has happened since then? Um, since since you first came to the temple in March of 2016, um, has has your perspective changed or, or deepened? Mm. Or, or what, what has what has gone on internally? Going on internally, yeah. Yes, I think I think um, in one sense it's just a, everything is just going on, and deepen. Yes, because 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 it's a relation, and it it requires a Krishna's attention and my attention also. So I think the relation is getting deeper in one sense and also the understanding of knowledge and apply the knowledge also get more and more um, deepen just just like we study any subjects mm-hmm. and what have you studied so far uh, I'm not really study it's just like reading uh, Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam so you're reading Srimad Bhagavatam yes um, and I'll just say for the listeners that uh, people generally start here with the Bhagavad Gita, which is uh, you know renowned Hindu scripture. Uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam is is a much larger work, and it covers a lot more ground. Um, how much of it have you read? Um, actually, I did not follow a very systematical way. Uh huh. I I think um, I read some some of the first canto, and some of the second canto, and some of the third canto. Uh-huh. And I also covered the Prahlad Maharaj canto. Seven. And yes. Currently, I'm on the third canto, Kardama Muni, dialogue with Lord Vishnu. 
Uh-huh. It's very um very beautiful and very poetic and very truthful the dialogue between he and the Lord. It's huh. very intimate. Yeah. Do you have can you um if possible step outside of yourself and see your the direction you're going? What where are you going? I think I'm going um closer and closer to to the place where we are all hankering for. Is that a place you actually reach or do you just always forever get closer? I think I think it's it's the two both. Oh yeah? Yes. Both. Okay. And what what do you have any sort of you, you know you've studied, you, you you've learned, you appreciate uh, you value the the literature, uh, the scriptures, uh, but do you have any um, indications in in your life that there is some progress going on, or or improvement or change? Like how how do you know that you're actually making progress? Because like we can, I can, I can talk more easily with people um, because I was I was a very shy person <laughs> I can't talk and now with the vision of Krishna with the vision of um, equal vision I can now see see on a, from a spiritual perspective um, and act in that spiritual relation and more easy easy way otherwise i can't talk oh yeah and and now i think i can work uh take care of my daily work and a more and more um focused or peaceful or just don't um don't be don't feel that's very um stressful every mm. day because there's a lot of work to be done, yeah. and I want to take control of everything, and it's very stressful. <laughs> well, to, to, to what extent is, um, is this the, the result of involvement in bhakti yoga, and to what extent is this a result of becoming an American? You know? <laughs> like, which, which is it? Or which is um, the more influence, do you think? I think it's, it's the bhakti yoga. Oh, yeah? What do you think of um, the other Americans you've gotten to know? Americans? Yeah. Um, actually, um, yeah, the American way is uh, American culture is very, uh, how do you say it? Very objective. Objective. Yes, and they they are very nice persons, and at the same time they have uh, they have the execution. Uh, strength to carry out like everything uh, like uh, regulations and process and everything um, yes it's, it's, I think it's very efficient because in 
China, people like will more or less rely on the like a relationship or something you can say this skin shape or like that will impediment something the whole process like uh, if I'm close to this person then I will get him closer to me or something something but in America there's, there's a more objective process of carrying on the whole system mm-hmm. yeah I think and, I see what you mean yeah I would imagine that there are advantages and disadvantages to that um, and you know I'm speaking as an ignorant American I don't, I don't know any other cultures but it, but it, there I think that what Americans experience um, in that objectivity is that you become very isolated you become alone because those connections of that may slow down the process in other countries but they're important for well-being too like they're like family tribe community connections and here it's like, well, those connections don't matter. Let's just get it done. But it leaves you without without those connections to other people sometimes. Yes, I, I know what she's talking about. But I think, I think at the time I decided to come to America, I actually uh, want, to, want to put aside those things and I want to start like like a twice born thing mm. and i i just want to like be more because back in china i was t- taking the practice of science and trying to find absolute trying to find this and the complete theory and then i can't i mm. can't and then i said okay i give up i give up really was that a conscious thought uh, that was something you actually yes, I give thought. Up. I give up. I give up, and and I will I will try to live a retirement life. And well, what did you think you were looking for that you that you gave up looking for? I I think I gave up to be a speculator and be the enjoyer of what I have been speculated. To take that result as my treasure, as my. Uh, property that kind of idea but but this was before you got the brochure this yes, was before yes, you read yes, the Bhagavad because Gita. I was too tired I was too frustrated and I can't see any things that can motivate me to do anything to even keep a relationship even and I don't know what is that motivation and I just okay let me retire and let me go to a foreign land mm. and take a retired life and see very everyone in a friendly way and and be a statistician because statistician is very practical and they just do some um, tedious work mm. and help people figuring out the data and, and something is is very um, how do you say humid or humility mm. in a humility way. And and I just doing those things. So what do you think you're going to do now? Do, are you going to stay in America? Do you plan to go back to China? Uh, currently, I'm still on a program on a program in uh, George Mason University. Uh-huh. So I will be here in the future, say two years. Uh-huh. And after that, yeah, maybe I I'm not so sure. Are there? Um, 
Hare Krishna temples in China? Hare Krishna temple in China. Um, they're center. They're centers, and I I just know in this summer there is centers, but not um, like the setting here in the U.S. Because China, the Chinese government, they don't encourage those things. Yeah. They don't encourage um, religious things because they are Chinese Community Party, and do they discourage? Uh, discourage not publicly. But uh, I can see, because the whole society is directed that way, you can say, yes, in that sense, that's the discourage. Hmm. But there are some centers that you could go to. Yes, there is a center. And actually, the center is... is A center? A center in Beijing. And that center, when I went there, actually, I can't find it. In a way, he, but he just like five, five yards bef- um, in front of me. But I can't see it because there's no sign mm. or nothing. And besides that entry is a grocery store. I was totally confused. I said, "Oh, I saw a grocery store and where's the center? I can't find it." But did you find it? Did you eventually get in? Yes, because I called a mm. devotee inside, and she came out and get me in. And how was that? How was that? Yeah, the, how, the um, the center, like um, what what, what oh. was in there? Oh, when I when I go there, it was actually under construction. Uh huh. And um, yes, it's it's um, I don't know how it's look like now, but when I went there, as a um, there's a room and. We don't actually have um, the actual deity installed there. There's pictures uh-huh. and instead of deity. Uh-huh. But it's Hare Krishna's. And how many people were there? Uh, I went there on Sunday. Oh, no, Thursday. Yes, it's a Thursday. And not many people. And the setting is actually in a... It's not in the center of Beijing. It's actually like at the edge of Beijing. Uh-huh. And so, mm, frankly speaking, not many people there. Uh-huh. Like uh, 30 something. And most of them are local people, not the Beijinger inside. Mm-hmm. Local. But, well, actually, 30 would be on a Thursday. That would be a significant number. I mean,. Actually, I'm, I'm not a professional here, but, um, you know, I think 30 people here on a Thursday would be maybe average. I don't okay. think a lot happens here during the week. Okay, okay. But um, I would imagine there's more on Sundays at the place. Um, no, but they don't actually have Sunday program like us. Oh, okay. So every day, I think, maybe maybe the same. So, the, the the sense that I get is that maybe it's it's holding its own, it's staying steady, but it's not necessarily growing or shrinking. Um, I think it's growing because it's under construction. Oh, like when you yeah. are making construction, it's meant to expand. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not you're not sure um, after you graduate where you'll be going. Yes, I think that's an honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
And um, can I ask you your favorite um, devotional activity? My favorite devotional activity? Yeah. For some people, you know, I last week I spoke with Ananta Das, who's the president in Boise, Idaho. And as soon as I asked that question, he's like, Prasadam. <laughs> <laughs> but some people enjoy the kirtans more. Some people enjoy the deity worship more. Some people enjoy the japa. Um, and uh, there's so there's various things to do. But what, what what is the most attractive to you? Like where do you find the most satisfaction? Reading. Reading, yes. And I recall the very first things that attract me. It's Prasadam. Prasadam, okay. And music and the chanting, the hearing and the music, yes. And I, yes, I, I like the music. The music. And and the, the literatures also because they are very. They're very, poetic and very beautiful and very scientifically explained, mm-hmm. things in detail. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and I think the most important thing is that. We realize that we are spiritual being and a human form of life, and although we are conditioned in this body, but we can still perform spiritual activities, like chanting. It is a spiritual activity, and it just gives you so many um, empowerment when you think of that idea that I am, I can still perform spiritual activity, in a in a relation. And that relation is something bring me back to life. Mm. Do you feel like it saved your life? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, because you had, you had mentioned that you had sort of given up. You had become frustrated. We're going to live like a retired life. But this, I assume this isn't the case now. This has given you some spark to, yes. to move beyond uh, retired life, right? <laughs> yes, retired life, yes. Yes. Um, now I'm learning step by step very slowly how to be, how to be a true person. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you don't feel uh, um, uh, any difficulty with the fact that this is a very different... I mean, you've come to America and now you're learning about culture way back in India, which isn't <laughs> isn't at all to do with China. So it's like, you're like, culturally, this is very like, you're covering a lot of ground here. Um, yes, but like when you examine very closely, you will see you will see the traditional line here and it's penetrated every culture whatever culture, like there, I can see a lot of similarities in the Vedic knowledge as well as the China, like traditional medicine mm-hmm. or some Chinese philosophy and some science, a Western science, um, like um, physics or, no, I, I mean, you can see all the similarities over there. Right, so it's not culturally specific. Yes. Or culturally yes. limited culturally. Yes. It's a universal thing. Mm. Yeah. And so I don't I don't actually be impacted by all this different cultural uh, um, cultural background. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, I think this is a very nice place to wrap up our interview. Thank you for speaking with me, Nancy. Uh, you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. I'm Michael Scherer. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, for talking with me, and I do hope that you succeed in your goal of meeting Krishna. Thanks to Rico Hayes for the theme music, and to Miriam Lansky for discussions about how to approach the subject matter of the podcast. Thank you also to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. I'm Michael Scherer, and you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. Mm-hmm.